Hello my lovelies and welcome to another episode of Primed for Crime. I am your host, Liv, and I'm very excited to have you here and I really do hope that you enjoy today's case. So today I'm going to be talking about the murder of Nikki Whitehead, who was a loving mother of two and she seemingly had a perfect life and looked forward to helping her daughters become wonderful human beings. However, a sudden and shocking tragedy came out of nowhere and snatched away Nikki's life. And the people responsible were much closer to home than police originally suspected. Before we get into the case though, I just want to state that everything that I talk about today is information I have found online and I mean no disrespect to anybody involved or mentioned. So, let's begin. This is the murder of Nikki Whitehead. Jamaica Whitehead, known to many as Nikki, was born to a mother who was incarcerated and she was actually born in prison, but she was raised predominantly by her grandmother, Della. And some would say that Nikki had a pretty rough start in life. In 1993, at the age of 18, Nikki became a mother herself after giving birth to twin daughters, Tasmia and Jasmia, or Taz and Jazz for short. Unfortunately, the twins' dad was a married man who sadly just didn't want anything to do with them, which in turn left Nikki as a young and single mother. Nikki then decided to move in with her grandmother, which would be Taz and Jazz's great-grandmother, Della, and Della pretty much raised the girls for the most part, which I guess made them really close. They saw Della as more of a mother figure, and Nikki was, I guess you could say, more of an older sister type. Nikki became a licensed cosmetologist and a pretty good one to say the least and she made a really good living for herself and for her girls. I mean she worked hard to provide for them, she had goals in life, she was very determined to achieve and you know succeed for not only her but her daughters as well. All she wanted was for her daughters lives to be better than hers. It said that the twins were very sweet girls, very polite, and they both did really well in school and did a variety of different activities. And although Nikki worked extremely hard, she did also have a social life. Like she liked going out with friends, having a drink. And, you know, some may say a little bit too much, but, you know, don't we all at some point? And I mean, yeah, she is a mother, but you've got to remember she was only, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. But, you know, a little bit later on in life, after she'd gone through that phase, she started to settle down. And by the age 25, she had developed a relationship with an older man who worked as a trucker, and his name was Robert. I'm not entirely sure when, but Robert said that he wanted the girls, Nikki, Jazz and Taz, to move in with him, so Nikki brought the twins to live with her, and for the first time in their lives, Nikki was the primary parent instead of this older sister type, and she became really strict with the girls, which made them, I guess, resent Nikki. I mean, they'd been so used to living with Della, who was much more sweet, soft, you know, this kind of really nice motherly figure. But Nikki was still working really hard and had the girls doing all sorts of different activities like dance, music, sports and she always 
bought them beautiful clothes. I mean, she really did provide for them. She always made sure that they came first. But Della, she, she had a hard time when the girls left to live with their mum. I mean, she had pretty much raised those girls since they were babies. And eventually, Della actually sought custody of the girls. And in June 2008, the girls were sent back to live with Della because of a court order due to a serious act of violence that stemmed from Nikki's attempt to parent her girls. So I'm going to go into exactly what this act was and how it all went down, just so you kind of get a better understanding of the relationship between them. So Nikki and the twins' relationship started to show trouble when they were about 14, which I guess isn't too unusual. I mean, with teenagers, especially girls at that age. So 14, as far as we know, can be a rough year, but we also have to take into consideration that these girls had an off again, on again with the primary parent, you know, with Della and Nikki. And these girls were mad. They had been so used to getting things their own way. So when Nikki started to set rules like forbidding them from dating older boys, you know, they were mad. And as a punishment, you know, if any of these rules were broken, Nikki would take away the girls' phones, which, I mean, my parents used to do to me. I mean, all my devices would be taken off me. And even at dinner time, we used to watch TV in the kitchen when we ate. And it was mainly like police interceptors and the news and stuff. And they would literally put my chair at the end of the table facing away from the TV. So I literally could not watch it. And I was mad. Like I used to be so angry. So it's not unreasonable what she was doing. I mean, it could be a lot worse. But this act of taking their phones away very quickly backfired and the girls were that mad that they actually physically attacked Nikki, which resulted in her calling the police. I mean, she was terrified and she had marks all over her body from this assault. And, you know, the twins, though, they just had a completely different story. They claimed that Nikki was the one who attacked them One of the twins, I mean, one of the twins did have some scratches on her, but the police said it was pretty obvious that these scratches were minor and probably Nikki trying to actually defend herself, whereas Nikki's scratches were all over and they were pretty bad. So the police obviously didn't believe um, Jazz and Taz's story and ultimately they were arrested for the assault of their mother. So after they were arrested, they were sent back to live with Della and ordered to undergo some family therapy. And I don't think anybody thought that Nikki was accountable. I think they just needed some time to, you know, spend some time apart, cool off a little bit. And the therapy, I guess, things needed to be talked through and just see if living with Nikki could work out for the girls. And obviously the girls were absolutely delighted to go and live back with Della. You know, Della didn't try to control them and they were free to live their own lives without any rules or consequences. On the other hand, though, Nikki was so upset. I mean, for a start, she'd just been physically attacked by her own daughters and they'd gone back to live with Della. She was worried that they might end up making the same mistakes that she did. She just wanted the best for her daughters like, you know, any mother would. So after two years of counselling, 
you know, and anger management and trying to work together, a juvenile judge awarded temporary custody back to Nikki. And within them two years, Nikki had also enrolled in fashion school. She was still working really hard for herself. And in 2010, when the girls were 16 now, and like I said, after a lot of counselling, they were finally back living with their mother, which was Nikki's dream come true. She was so happy to have her daughters back in her life, but the same couldn't be said for the twins. At approximately 4pm on January 12, 2010, Taz flagged down a deputy officer who was driving down her residential block and she was frantically waving at him to stop. And, you know, just a side note here as well, this wasn't a high crime area. I think this officer was just serving some papers of some sort, I'm not too sure, but like I said, it wasn't a high crime area. But the police officer followed Taz into the home that they were now living in with Nikki and was met with her twin sister, Jazz. And the police officer could immediately tell that he had just walked into a crime scene. When the officer walked in, he was met with a gruesome scene. There was blood everywhere and there were signs of a struggle. You know, furniture and other things were tipped over. And shortly after this, he found 34-year-old Nikki Whitehead in her bath, who appeared to have multiple stab wounds to her body. And there was actually a trail of blood that looked like Nikki had tried to escape the house but wasn't able to. I think she'd actually managed to get to the front door and like kind of fumbled with the locks a bit, tried to unlock it, but she was either grabbed or pulled back by the looks of it. But it looked like within this horrid and bloody scene that there had been some sort of attempt to clean up some of the blood. I mean, there were bloody towels that were found all scrumpled up and thrown into the washing machine, but there was obviously far too much blood to possibly clean up, which the killer must have realised and quickly given up shortly after that. However, it was found that nothing had actually been taken from the home, so it probably wasn't a robbery. But from the other evidence, it was clear that whoever did this to Nikki probably knew her and had a lot of anger towards her. The attack seemed personal, you know, I mean, the amount of times that she was stabbed and how brutal it was, it definitely shouted personal attack. The twins claimed that they had found their mum like this just after they had arrived home after school. They were taken into the back of an ambulance to wait whilst police started going through the house and the crime scene and the police started to ask them about their relationship with Nikki and they started to tell them about Nikki's boyfriend Robert who was about 60 odd so she he was significantly older than she was not that there's a problem with that and You know, they also said that there was some trouble in their relationship. But remember that I briefly said that he was a trucker? Well, he was obviously on the road a lot. And apparently when he was, Nikki was having other relationships. So I guess police could have suspected him. You know, he he might have wanted some revenge. But this was very quickly ruled out at the time as he was out on the road driving, driving his truck. 
However, the twins also pointed out a man named Joe who Nikki had had a fight with the night before and this fight apparently went on into the early hours of the morning. So this obviously put Joe into police's sights and he really became the first proper suspect in Nikki's murder. Police were like, you know, okay, yeah, we should probably go and talk to this guy. I mean, why were they fighting? Maybe this led to her murder. So, yeah, the Joe was now a suspect, obviously, and they went to interview him to see what was up. And Joe was totally shocked and totally surprised to find out that Nikki had been murdered. So, obviously, we want to know, what what were they fighting about? Could he have been a part of this? Apparently, Nikki was mad at him because he had said that he wanted to end their relationship to move in with another woman, which, if you think about it, that would kind of be a motive for her to hurt him, but not really him to hurt her, if you know what I'm saying. It doesn't really give him a motive if there was any sort of motive it would probably be on her half so police also asked joe to show his arms and his hands etc like they usually would to check for any signs of struggle and there was nothing on joe there was no signs of any scratches bruises and also when a person is attacking somebody with a knife like we know that nikki had been sometimes the blood can cause the knife to get slippery and sometimes the attacker might accidentally cut their own hand but joe didn't have any of these so having no wounds or no motive police decided that he probably wasn't the person who murdered nikki At the same time, police were taking the twins into the police station for interviews and these interviews were recorded and I think you can actually find them on YouTube and I'd highly suggest you go and watch the interviews, they are very interesting to say the least. And initially they were taken in together and I think they had like a chat together, they weren't separate which I do find a bit odd but I'm guessing at some point they were because there are two separate interviews. I think at the start they were more seen as witnesses but kind of going on in the interviews they ended up as suspects. So during the interview Jasmia cried that she wanted her mum and her grandma whilst Tasmia seemed a bit more I mean strong if you want to use that word she just she didn't have as much emotion as Jasmia did you know Jasmia's absolutely devastated it seems and Tasmia just just kind of sits there and the girls told the police that they went to school that day as usual and can I just say as usual they meant they obviously got up and they went to school at the same time as usual and did a typical school day and that their mother was alive and well when they left but when they got home that's when they discovered her body and the bloody scene an interesting side note though the girls originally said that they didn't see their mum in that morning they said that they heard her but she was in her room that she always kept locked But during the interview, police started to get an odd feeling. The girls were acting a bit strange, but what was more concerning was that whilst they were in the interview room, and you can see this if you watch the tapes, they both kept on 
long sleeve jackets and gloves. You know, that is, I mean, I'm all for wearing what you want, but long sleeve jackets and gloves in the interview room. So what, you know, what were they hiding? And police did eventually ask them to remove them so they could see their hands and arms. Remember, you know, checking for defensive wounds, etc. And you guessed it, they found exactly what they were looking for. They discovered that both girls had these marks all over their arms and also a bite mark. So when police asked them how they got these wounds, they said that they got into a fight with each other and were rolling around and fighting, but police weren't buying it, you know, (laughs) there's no surprise there, they definitely were not buying it. Both girls actually did say that they had had a tough relationship with their mother and they actually said that they hated her, which is a strong word to say that you hate someone. They said that she was always out partying and that she wasn't a good mum, but they definitely did not kill her. And I guess this made police a bit suspicious, but they didn't have enough to arrest them, so they just let them go home and they went with Della and they just kept the investigation going. At this point, Nikki's body was taken in for an autopsy and it revealed that she had been attacked from behind with a vase and the vase was smashed on the back of her head. And that was probably the blow that took her down. And then she was attacked, stabbed several times. And this is horrible. And honestly, I I kind of knew about this case, but I didn't really know the ins and outs of it. So when I read this next bit, I was just absolutely mortified. Um, So one of the stabs actually severed her spinal cord. So that must have been pretty deep and I could not, I don't know if she was conscious at the time that this happened, but if if she wasn't, I just, that must have just been so painful. Oh god. So the stab wound to her spinal cord is eventually, I think, what killed her and they did do a forensic, please forgive me if I say this wrong, odontology? Forensic odontology. So this was used and I think that is odontology, that's the mouth. So they took mouldings from Nikki's mouth. Um, You know like when you go to the dentist and they do the little mould thing on your teeth? So they did this to see if they could match the bite marks that were found on the daughters. And an expert on this case said that to a reasonable degree the bite mark on the arm um, on Taz matched her mother Nikki and further analysis showed that the blood on the vase was from Nikki but also one of the twins or both and why couldn't they tell which twin? Well it's because the twins they have the they're identical twins they've got the exact same DNA so this does become a bit of a problem if you can't tell for sure it could end up just kind of been a finger pointing match you know it creates a lot of reasonable doubt so with this analysis and the other evidence that they now have police felt like they now had enough to arrest the girls so in may they were both arrested for the murder of their mother and the girls were defiant they were insulted by this but the prosecution was building a very strong case on physical evidence 
but like before the DNA was identical so again this caused problems but the prosecution was confident that they would be able to show that the girls did it together. The prosecution were able to show that the girls put their clothes in the washing machine and then left to go to school together but guess what they didn't go on time like they said. You know they were able to show that it's a lie they went to school but two hours later than they said that they did which you know it could suggest that they actually murdered their mother before they left. But I think you've got to realise as well that they were 16, you know, um, they were young, they might not have realised how how <laughs> investigations work, they probably thought, and I'm not speaking on behalf of them, but they probably thought, oh well, you know, we'll, we'll go to school, you know, even if it's not on time, we've still gone, you know, we can say that we've gone, but obviously surveillance and the fact that the police can literally go and ask the school you know what time they got there so overall the girls just made it easy they kept putting themselves together and the evidence made it easy so the grand jury um indicted jazz and taz so they were formally accused or charged with the crime however in the spring of 2012 the twins attorneys approached the da about a plea and they agreed to a deal that the twins would confess the truth and they would get a break on their sentences and they were offered 30 years. The girls sat down separately and discussed the crime but more so they talked about Nikki and how she was an alcoholic and did drugs so instead of being remorseful they were blaming Nikki in a way but what they did say about the murder was that Nikki had woken them up in the middle of the night before the murder in a very drunken state and she started a fight with them and then this continued into the early hours of the morning and eventually began a physical altercation. So they were, the twins were basically claiming self-defence. They also said that Nikki was the one who grabbed the knife and had turned it on them so they were saying that they had to fight for their lives against their alcoholic, drug-using mother. But, I mean, this story is just a bit too hard to believe. I mean, there's no dispute that Nikki did like to go out and socialise, but that does not make her an alcoholic. Um, and there's no allegations that Nikki was ever violent towards anybody. I mean, the only act of violence prior to this was the assault from the girls onto their mother. So for me personally, I find it really hard to believe. But what about the DA? I mean, what would he, what would he decide? I mean, the power lies in his hands. He has the power to decide. He could have turned around and basically called bullshit, but unfortunately, he did not decide to do that. I guess the DA thought that it was an appropriate sentence, 30 years, and wanted them to plead guilty on record. So, in January 2014 now, Jazz and Taz both took a plea to voluntary manslaughter with 30 years. And with parole eligibility, it feels like they're actually going to be close to about 50, maybe 48 years old, when they're actually eligible for parole. And they are serving their sentences in separate facilities. 
and I mean today both girls have earned their GEDs whilst in prison and they've been called model inmates and I do believe that Della is pretty close to them still. So now we are at the conclusion of the legal case, why don't we talk about a few other topics? So maybe why why this happened? Firstly, I want to talk about matricide, which is the killing of a person's mother, like somebody who kills their mother. Now, this is actually really rare, and it happens in less than 2% of all homicides. But when it does happen, it's predominantly adult males, not females. But um, daughters under the age of 18 are even rarer, like they are the rarest of these killers. And you know, when they do kill, they often do it with multiple offenders, so they are more common to kill with a partner, like Jazz and Taz, which I do find very interesting, and I just thought I'd throw that in there, let you know. Criminologist Catherine Hyde said that there's no real predictors of this type of killing you can't you can't just tell because of the rarity there aren't a certain set of factors but she was also careful to say that there are certain factors that raise the odds and these factors which i don't think will surprise you are patterned violence in the home um, some other type of family dysfunction she specified child abuse but also again patterned violence in the home and chemical dependence and worsening conditions in the homes as an escalation of violence. So I do think that you can see the red flags in this case. There was some violence in home and it was quite dysfunctional with Nikki and Della in sort of a tug of war with the twins. Also worth mentioning is that one of the counsellors involved with the family said that all four generations that were involved, all of them thrived off drama and chaos and that was just their normal, it's just what they knew. Um, so as well, the twins did say that Nikki was drinking a lot and whether or not she was dependent, I don't know, you know, I'm not one to say, I'm not in any way accusing this, but if if this was true, then that could have also played into this, that could have been another factor. So a lot of these factors that can help predict were, I think you'd say, present in this case. And this case is also a, I mean, I don't want to say good, but good theoretical case. There's a few different ways that you could look at it in criminology terms. So, in criminology terms, Jazz and Taz have what is known as low self-control, which could be the result of being raised where parents or other guardians don't recognise bad behaviour or punish bad behaviour, and it's certain that Della did not do that. And I think Nikki tried, but I think the girls were so used to getting what they wanted for a long time, and... They were very impulsive and they were quick to anger, they showed physical violence, so they were showing a lot of the symptoms of low self-control, but they also didn't seem to have any strong coping mechanisms. So their behaviour also fits with general strain theory, which is also another criminology term. 
And I think once Nikki was blocking their freedom, they became so angry and frustrated that they just couldn't cope. They didn't have the mechanisms to cope. And honestly, I don't think they were ever taught this because, I mean, I don't think their mum or their grandma knew how to do it either. I think they just saw Nikki as the obstacle in a sense. And I think this anger just built up and built up until it exploded. And I think it was always going to have a bad outcome. It also seems as though they found Nikki as a hypocrite. I mean... Nikki was going out and partying as she should, you know, that's her her life and she is an adult, but her daughters were seeing this and when they were trying to do it, they would just get punished, which I guess could be a bit of victim denial. They just tried to blame Nikki for their actions. You know, they're sat there thinking, how can my mum punish me for this when she's doing it herself? But in the end, there was just absolutely no remorse. There was nothing. I mean, that I've seen anyway. I mean, I don't know what will happen as the years go on. You know, when they get older, what will their progress be like? But I do think that they need help. And I mean, I don't know, I'm stuck in two minds, right? One of one side of me thinks, okay, they're in prison for a very long time. Maybe it is a bit harsh, especially looking at all the factors that play into this and the fact that they were just 16. But then again... They did get help before all this happened. They went through so much counselling and yet they still killed their own mother. I mean, normal people, in a sense normal, don't just do that no matter who or why. I mean, I used to argue with my parents all the time and I struggled with my feelings, but I never once thought, oh, you know what, I could just murder them and it'll all be fine. No, that to me would just be crazy to think. But then again, the court was the one who ordered that counselling and sometimes if you don't want the help, then it's just not going to work. I also think that the counselling sessions were more of a finger-pointing game rather than working on oneself. You know, the girls were sat there blaming their mother and Nikki was blaming them. Nothing ever seemed to be resolved. I mean, you can't just go to counselling being like, well, I'm going to fix my husband. You know, you've got to fix yourself. You can't control anybody else. You have to be willing to change and until somebody puts a stop to this generational chaos in a sense then I don't think it'll ever get better and I mean I think Nikki was trying to do that you know she said that she didn't want her daughters to be like her or go through what she went through and as well Nikki's mum Linda who we haven't actually spoken about today she was involved with all this as well and she was on Nikki's side she thought the same thing about Della and how Della was raising the girls so i think it really caused a divide in the family you know Nikki and Linda and then Della and the girls and even to this day Della's saying like oh i can't believe my babies would do that you know she still hasn't accepted this So I think there's definitely a divide in this case with anybody who listens to it, you know, with how much prison time the girls got and whether it's justified and, you know, I'll have to have a think. What do you think about this case? And that concludes today's episode. So thank you very much for listening. I know it's been quite an in-depth 
case today but I do hope you enjoyed and hope to have you back for another Primed for Crime episode and I will actually find a link for the interviews and I'll put them in the show notes so you can head straight over there and just have a watch see what you think I mean it was pretty strange um but everyone's going to have their own opinions on this case and you are free to make up your own but in the meantime if you are still craving for a bit more true crime then you can head over to my primed for crime tiktok where i post small snippets of cases daily and it's also nice to interact with all my listeners you know see what cases you like what you're not too keen on it's always good to um, talk to you guys i really do enjoy it so please stay vigilant and please stay safe and i will see you in the next case see you later